Welcome to the Business Leader Podcast. My name is Serena and today our guest is an ex-Army officer, specialist leadership coach and facilitator for senior leaders in higher and secondary education. Our guest is also the author of The Leadership Book and has set up the charity Michelle Jurd Trust, which supports initiatives that encourage young people to benefit from outdoor adventures. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email questions at businessleader.co.uk to get in touch. And now it's time to welcome Neil Judd to the podcast. Hi, Serena. Thank you for having me and it's lovely to meet you. Yes, it's lovely to meet you too. First of all, I just want to hear about your background. So how did you end up becoming a leadership coach? Uh, What was your journey like? Well, I was uh, an army officer for the first half of my career. I led soldiers on operations all over the place. I was a a Gurkha squadron commander. Um, I taught leadership at Sandhurst for two years. I served in Bosnia, Iraq, Yemen. So so I had quite a lot of operational service. And I've always had a real interest in leadership. I've always read a lot. And then I, I left the army in 2009. And uh, I was head of logistics at British Sugar, but unexpectedly in an accident, lost my wife. Um, My children were very young at the time. So I I gave up full-time work because it wasn't possible to bring up young children with a busy job. But that gave me, over time and with some space, the chance to move into doing something that I loved, which was talking about leadership and actually writing about leadership and helping people develop their leadership. And I I worked as a course director at the Leadership Trust for many years. And then over the last four or five years, I've very much set up my own business, pretty much based around the book that I wrote, the leadership book. You mentioned there that you were in the army for sort of the first part of your career. Uh, How did you end up joining the army? And was there anything in particular that you learned about leadership from that experience? I always wanted to join the army. I was I was an army cadet myself. And then I uh, got a scholarship to Sandhurst when I was young. And to be honest, there wasn't anything else that I wanted to do. I loved the idea of the travel and the adventure. I believed all of the army adverts that were on television back then. So I, I never really had anything else that I wanted to do, which is strange because having now been out of the army for 12 or 13 years, I absolutely love the stuff I do. I love working in leadership. I love the work I've done with our with our charity. So it turned out to be a great thing to do. And it set me up really well for what I do now. Was there any kind of like skill that you think was something that that you adopted whilst in the army that you think really is applicable to kind of being a leader in any sector? Yeah, two things. Knowing what you're trying to achieve, like being really clear what it is that you're trying to do and being good with people, caring about people and connecting with people is is essential. You start off in the army and then after that, what, what happened next? How did you decide that you wanted to help people become great leaders? It wasn't direct. It did come through going into British Sugar and I was head of logistics there. But I moved into it because I was very interested in leadership, a networking organisation that I went on in my logistics job. I went on a, a networking cruise on one of the P&O boats and I got to know the people who organised it. And then after I lost uh, Michelle, my, my, my wife, the people who I'd made friends with who organised these cruises asked me whether I'd like to come along and and speak about leadership on them. And that was what first moved me across into the idea that my passion for leadership and my interest in leadership would be 
of use and of interest to other people. What about your job do you find the most fulfilling? Why is teaching people leadership skills so important? It changes them. And normally what people learn is that leadership is much simpler than they imagine. I think there's a perception that leadership is something really academic or that it requires a particular sort of person to lead. And that person's a bit of a, almost a cliche. It's that kind of very assertive, dominant person who's never wrong. And that's just not true. And what people get, I think, from my book and from the courses that we run is that most of leadership is just about being yourself, just being really comfortable being yourself and using that to connect with people. But then it's all got to be tied up with this thread of purpose. You've got to know what it is you're trying to achieve. But then most of it's about just being plain you. And I I think that surprises people. In fact, I know it does. We've just finished a one-year course with um, a big pharmaceutical company that I work with. And the people on the course, they generally said they came onto it nervous. They came onto it expecting uh, that sort of leadership I described, that we'd be telling them how to dominate and command. And of course, we don't. That's nonsense. People don't want to follow that. People want to work with someone who connects with them and brings out the best in them. So I think my approach to leadership, I think it works because it's easy, actually. It's easy for people. You just have to be comfy with yourself and anyone can do that. Really, anyone can lead. I mean, that's probably my my biggest message is anyone can lead a little bit better. Whatever it is you're trying to do, whether it's running a youth club or a small business or a school or what, whatever you're trying to do, you can lead a little bit better. And if you do, things will go better. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea that sort of any personality type can be a leader. If I was, you know, someone in a business and I was leading a business and I came to you looking for help. What's your process of kind of figuring out where someone needs help in or where someone can develop their leadership skills in? Really understanding the person, because every situation is really different. And if you take the essence of what I try to encourage, which is that leadership's all about being yourself. Being really good with yourself, really understanding yourself is a foundation. So a lot of what people have to do is really understand themselves, like what makes them tick? What do they want? What's their purpose? What are they good at? What are they less good at? So a lot of it's just conversation and really understanding people early on or for people understanding their own responses and reactions to things and then slowly developing them. If someone was on one of our residential courses, they would go through lots of experiential learning. So they would do things. They would be put in situations like problems that they'd have to solve in a group. And then at the end, we'd really talk about what happened, like which of the lessons in the book did you apply? How did you behave? Did you lose your temper? I'm very against leaders losing their temper. I think it's never the right thing to do. Did you make people feel better or did you make people feel diminished? And and all these sorts of things, we give people the chance to do and then reflect on and then develop and then we do it again. That's kind of the sequence of development, really. Do something and then reflect on it, then put a bit more theory in and try again. And would you say there are common characteristics that sort of managers, executives and leaders in businesses tend to have, which people have this idea that this is the type of characteristic a leader needs to have, but in actuality, it ends up being detrimental or it's not actually very beneficial. Yeah. 
I think people who have got a political approach to, to work, who see it as a competition in which they are serving their own purposes, I think that's really dangerous. I think people who think that leaders have to be right all the time, people who think that leaders have to control everything. You know, you get leaders who say things like, keep me in the loop. And uh, that's lethal. When you say keep me in the loop, if you're a leader, you'll be kept in every loop. And then you'll end up totally bogged down in every issue that's going on in your organisation. And honestly, you don't want that. You need to learn to trust people and give them as much freedom as you can. And then probably a little more beyond that. That old-fashioned stereotype of the leader who's always right, the leader who dominates, the leader who needs to know everything. In the book, I describe the leader having crumbs in their keyboard and you know, first in, last out. That leader doesn't grow people. And that leader probably, their control of everything, slows things down. It slows decision-making down. It stops people growing. So what would you say is the most important characteristic in a great leader, if you've really had to pick one? Well, do you know, the word that comes into my mind is kind. If, if you're kind, that will make it very likely that you're trying to do something good in the world. And you'll be somebody that people want to connect with and to perhaps work a little bit harder for. And that probably probably wouldn't be the thing that you would have expected to hear because you very rarely hear it in leadership discussions, what's important. But yeah, kindness. Of course, yeah, kindness makes your team like you I suppose firstly but also trust you as well I think if you if you have that relationship so how important is trust in a team but also especially in your relationship with your leader or your manager yeah it's essential so whilst I say kindness is the most important definitely there are other things that you're looking for in a leader and probably one of the two or three most important things that I would say a leader does is to develop the right culture and trust will be at the core of a positive culture. Trust that the people around you are doing their job, that they're just going to get on, that they don't need you to micromanage or or meddle. But it's also trust across an organisation. So you don't get that awful competition between departments, which wastes a lot of energy without actually working towards the objective. And the team have to trust their leader as well. We all have to be able to trust the people in charge. When you throw yourself into a cause, an organisation, whatever it is, you're giving a bit of yourself to the people that you work for. And that shouldn't feel dangerous. If the leaders are after things for themselves too much, people see through that. So, no, trust's really important. Looking after people, genuinely caring for the people that you lead is essential. And again, for some people, not necessarily easy to do, but... If you want a good team, you have to care for them and go out of your way for them and not put your interests above theirs. What are some ways a leader in a business can really cultivate these positive qualities like trust, camaraderie and positive teamwork? How can a leader begin to do that? Uh, Really get to know people, like really genuinely get to know people and talk to them as openly and honestly as you can. People often communicate at quite a low level. So they'll, they'll sort of say, you're right, yeah, I'm fine. And that will almost be the limit of the conversation. To really connect with people, you've got to break down the barriers. You've got to ask them how they are and then really listen to the answer. But it's got to be okay to talk about fear or excitement or worry or whatever's really going on. So I think communications, like really, really good communications, it comes back to that trust thing. A very good use of a leader's time is to just go and speak with people 
not go and speak to people, but to just go and kind of hang around with them. Sometimes it means going and doing the job, working on whatever your equivalent of the shop floor is. Not because your input is useful. And in fact, you probably shouldn't be dominating while you're there, but just as a way of hanging around with people and getting to know them. The better you know people and they know you, and that openness has to work two ways as well, the more trust there'll be. So I think probably working on trust is one of the most important things you can do. And actually the other is working on purpose, taking time to think and probably involving other people as well and being really clear about what you're trying to achieve. Because where it goes wrong, and it's always only subtly different, but there are differences of opinion in what you're trying to achieve and people are slightly pulling against each other. So actually really thinking that absolute clarity of purpose and bringing other people in so they understand it, that's that's a good use of time. You mentioned a really important aspect of being a good leader is really getting to know the people in your team and kind of getting rid of small talk, I suppose, like really building conversation about all kinds of things. What would you say to a leader that, you know, finds those boundaries quite difficult to set? Because obviously you are still a leader in, in, in that team and you want the people in your team to still have a level of obviously respect, but understanding that there is some sort of hierarchy potentially. How can you set those boundaries and be a leader, but also very approachable and someone that they, that they feel like they can speak to as well? You probably need fewer boundaries than most people imagine. I feel that position is the weakest form of influence that we have. The do it because I'm in charge will get obedience, but no more. And obedience won't transform the world. You'll just get the bare minimum done. I believe that people want to do well and that people go to work to do well and Generally, people like creating and being innovative and being free to to do positive stuff. So, so actually, often the best thing a leader can do is get people interested and excited and get out of the way, actually. What leaders will often say is, well, if I get too close to people, how do I discipline them? And I'd say, well, if you get leadership right, you, you won't need to discipline them. Discipline is like um, it's a recourse of an organisation that's not working very well. It's where people aren't excited about the purpose and the leadership's not great. The leader's responsible for the objective, for getting things done. But that doesn't mean that you're better in every way or you have to dominate every situation. And from my own experience of leading, I've led many, many people who are more talented than me, I guess, across the board in, in every way. You know, people who are more technical, people who are more creative, people who are cleverer. And where the leader sets themselves up to be the best and to control the performance of others, I think there's a risk there that nobody can be more than the leader. As long as you're being fair and decent, if people aren't performing, then you will be able to have that that conversation. You'll be able to say, look, you're not delivering what you said you were going to and you need to deliver it. And it doesn't come from a position, again, of dominance or anger. It can be a really calm, decent conversation between two friends. I guess as a leader, I imagine you would really want your team to be as talented, if not, you know, more talented than than you could be and, and that potential to be kind of endless. I think what I've picked up from what you've said is really this idea of enabling your team, giving them the tools and supporting them in, to kind of reach their potential. How can a leader do this, do you think? A lot of it is choosing the right people. And I think that people often choose in a hurry. 
but choosing people who are really passionate about what it is you're trying to achieve that solves quite a few problems um and then keeping people really focused on what you're trying to achieve throughout which means often just stopping because people will tend to get dragged deeply into a task but sometimes you've got to stop the task and say how, how are we doing how are we getting on and talk about what it is that you're trying to achieve most things go wrong where the manager doesn't know how to lead so puts in a, a lot of controls and those controls take the decision making they're kind of the connection with purpose and decision making away from other people and you don't want that you want people to feel free i i never talk about delegation because delegation by definition involves a lot of control for me to delegate a task to another person i've got to have thought through the problem worked out the solution and then i'm giving almost a disempowered person direct instructions to fulfill i would say that it's far better that other people just understand the objective and are allowed to use their own brains and that way you get however many people in the organization all of their brain power applied to the problem but it's not delegation as much as just freedom within boundaries we spoke about this a little bit earlier but you know this idea that any personality type can be a great leader so say i'm an incredibly introverted person i'm not a people person at all but i've founded a business and you know i'm i'm managing a, a team of people what are the first steps to me utilizing my skills to be a great leader because like you said there is this idea that to be a leader like you are an extroverted character i mean is that the case or what do you think you know something like 40% of society are introvert in preference extroverts could make great leaders but so can introverts extroverts and introverts would possibly connect differently typically extroverts have more connections but slightly shallower and i'm paraphrasing hugely whereas introverts will favor more intense but maybe fewer connections but there are different ways of connecting i'm introverted given the preference i'll find some space go for a walk sit down and read a book but in business terms i know that connecting with people is really important but i do it authentically where it could go wrong is if the introvert felt under pressure to be that stereotype who likes to give talks to 20 or 30 people at a time and maybe likes the sound of their own voice actually it's just being yourself but noting that you do have to connect with people even if connecting with people can feel a little bit uncomfortable it's a social muscle that has to be worked but it can be worked in your own way if you just want to have quiet chats to people then do it that way but face to face communication is always preferable so if you're an introvert you might prefer to avoid the face to face but you shouldn't so essentially there isn't one type of way to be a leader it's really completely dependent on your personality type and the business yeah but there's probably some principles which are around being yourself being trustworthy being honest being straightforward and having something worthwhile that you want to achieve so there has to be some thought behind it that those are the things that make a leader rather than somebody who's just dominating or somebody who's political which i i have very little time for actually i i think good leadership is restorative it does a huge amount of good in the world it solves a lot of problems and many of the problems that i think that the world faces at the moment are actually the result of the wrong sort of leadership poor leadership I think there's this idea within our society that leader type characters are just incredibly successful people which I mean they tend 
to be but so many leaders have really experienced failure to get to the point that they're in I mean everybody experiences failure but what do you think about failure and society's attitudes towards it I think that to achieve things, it's really likely that you're going to make a few moves that might go wrong. And you, you might find that a business decision was poor or that something you tried didn't work out. And I think we're fairly forgiving of that, though, in Britain. My take on it is that actually there's something in British business that allows for that, that allows for the fact that something might not work out, but you can try something else and come back and have another go which I would encourage. I think if people are too cautious, nothing new happens. And often I think leadership is about creating something new. And if it's new, of course, there is a risk. It's likely to be something slightly unproven in some way. But I'd link that to the fact that leaders make good decisions. Maybe not every decision, but the ability to make good decisions at the fastest possible pace, that's important. And if a leader keeps getting it wrong again and again and again, well, that's that suddenly becomes a horse that you don't want to to follow. Especially in recent times, we've seen leaders in all kinds of sectors having to adjust their leadership technique as a result of the pandemic, especially. Do you think that there's some kind of revolution happening within leadership? Is it changing quite drastically? I think this way of working has changed things probably for the better once once we've really got good at working in this way. But it does make it harder to connect with people. When we can use this well, I think the benefits to connecting with people via Zoom, leading people via Zoom are significant in terms of how you can structure your organisation, where the talent is. You know, It would have been previously impossible to have worked with even the team that I have involved with my business we couldn't have worked together without office buildings three years ago but because we've kind of in in lots of ways emerged out of the pandemic we've emerged with occasional visits or meetings but most of the time just working via whatsapp and teams and it works really well do you think there is something specific about a leader's character dependent on the type of sector they're in or would you say a different leader or manager in, in each sector needs to have a specific kind of quality or you haven't noticed anything like that? Leaders will always have these same core qualities. Good leadership will always be focused on achieving something good. It will always have that compassion, that willingness to connect with people and get the best from them. It will always put purpose above process and it will always feel energising and exciting there'll always be this kind of positivity with it i think that applies in all organizations whatever it is you're doing one of the courses that we run at the moment is for head teachers and deputy head teachers across manchester and the course works really well for them but we also use almost an identical course focusing on the same things for a uh, global import and export company so the essence of the ideas that make effective leaders or, or what it is to be an effective leader, I think, apply across sectors. For leadership to be really sector specific, it probably isn't leadership. That's probably likely to be management. It's probably likely to be that kind of really controlling the detail, hands on management, best practitioner in the room style of leadership. But that's the sort of leadership that often cramps people. Because where you've got the person who is the absolute expert in charge, there's a tendency for that person to need to make every decision because they'll make it best. And I would say that's just managing. 
I would say that's unlikely to be leadership in its truest sense. And there is a time for management and there is a time for decisive leadership, but not much. (laughs) I think emergency incident response, you might need some quite decisive direction at times, but most of the time it's not the answer. So I would say that leadership is leadership and good leadership can be applied in all organisations. If someone can lead a school really well, you'll probably find that they could also lead a charity really well. So there is a a difference between leadership and management. And actually, ideally, you'd want to move away from this sort of idea of managing and making all of the decisions or micromanaging, especially, and really try and kind of like depart from that altogether. You need both, but they do different things. In the way that I see it, you manage resources, you manage money, vehicles, processes, space. Management will kind of roll on without much thought. It's hard work, but it will roll on without much thought. And if you only manage, you probably won't adapt particularly well to what's coming next. But if you don't have management, your organisation will be unsteady. It will be unsafe. People won't know whether they're going to get paid at the end of the month. They won't know whether the company car that they get into has been serviced. You know, they won't know if the warehouses have got damp in them, you know, all those sorts of things. So you need management to give you the foundations. You lead people and people will make the difference. People will have the ideas. People will energize. People will create. People will change direction. By leading, you get that brain power and that energy running through the organization and it can change direction. It can adapt. Your people give you resilience. So you need both, but lots of organizations don't put enough of a premium on leadership. With good leadership, you will get good management. With good management, you might not get good leadership. So you probably need the leadership first. I think a really big aspect of being a leader is is dealing with adversity that arises. And one is especially dealing with the way your team members interact with one another. What would your advice be to a leader who needs to deal with disagreement amongst their team? Work a lot on the culture. These things are always much harder when they come to a head. And you can stop them coming to a head by talking about working on developing the culture. If you get the relationships right in a team, things just feel easy. If you get the relationships wrong, even the easiest things can become impossible because the friction between people means that they'll sabotage each other's ideas or they just can't co-create. If you get to the stage where you have to resolve it as a leader, you probably haven't done your job as a leader well enough in the approach to that because a lot of being a leader is about not being busy. It's about being out of the constant management. It's about being able to step back and think about where you're going and also just see what's going on. And you should notice the beginnings of conflict or friction really early and you do something about it early. And that could be sitting your team down or the people down and you know being quite honest, saying, guys, I noticed there's a bit of friction here, but this is what we're trying to achieve and it's really important. So let's just talk about what's going on. And having that honest conversation early on will prevent a lot of pain later on. Having a culture where it's normal to talk about things that are a bit wrong and how we can do them better, that's quite rare, but it's really important. In high-performing teams, it would be normal to say, look, when you did that, that wasn't quite right. Or when you do this, it actually it's a bit frustrating for me. And if people can have those low-impact, easy conversations all the time, it saves it all building up into a colossal frustration that frankly by the time it's got to the boss needing to resolve it because it's serious it's actually very very hard to come back from 
another thing where people's values really align there are fewer frustrations so selecting people based on values is important not on beliefs people can have different beliefs they should have different backgrounds you kind of want the most diverse mix of people you can get because it's like having a diet that's got food from all over the place so you get the widest mix of nutrients an organization should be the same and there's a real tendency to pick people that remind us of ourselves we feel safe with people that remind us of ourselves but actually you don't want that you want people who are really as different as possible but shared values are important and buy into what the organization's trying to achieve is important and as long as you've got shared values and are passionate about what you're trying to achieve that will rule out a lot of frustration I guess like cultivating a culture, but especially in the recruitment process, looking to employ people based on their values, as you said, would you say choosing people based on values is is as important or if not more important than their particular skill set? Yeah, I guess you'd be looking for people that you think could learn the skills, but somebody with the skills whose values are wrong will be a liability. And it rots the moral core of your organization, of your team. Most companies have a list of values on the wall, on the website. But if you've got someone who doesn't live by those values, they're going to cause you trouble. You know, if, if, you're, if you're saying that inclusion is one of your values and they don't include, well, it doesn't matter how talented they are. They're not part of what you're trying to grow. They don't fit your culture. And just on this topic of adversity, one thing that has really been brought up in the public sphere in terms of how people feel in the workplace is this idea of imposter syndrome. I'm just wondering what you would say to someone who is experiencing imposter syndrome. I haven't counted the number of coaching sessions I've done over the last eight or nine years, but it's a lot, you know, hundreds or thousands. And imposter syndrome crops up in almost every coaching session. Sometimes it feels like I know something that other people don't. It's like, because I know that almost everybody in a leadership position has some form of imposter syndrome. And I think maybe knowing that it's not just you or me that has it, that we all have it. There's something obviously very deeply built into the human psyche that we doubt ourselves. We have this imposter syndrome. Often people, when they're feeling imposter, they have this idea of what the role requires, what a director looks like or what a head of department looks like. And that's that positional approach to leadership. To do this job, I need to look like. And often they'll even be imagining their former boss, their last boss, whoever did it before. But that's not what makes you a great leader. And I do mean a great leader as well. It sounds really pompous, but actually you can be a great leader in a small way. Things that sometimes people get hung up on are their own education or people worry about their accent because they think that people around them sound posher. Honestly, none of that matters. You can have that great education and sound posh, but not have a clue about leading. Whoever you are, whatever your background, you can lead as you are by being yourself. If you try to be something different, you will become less effective as a leader because people will connect less well with you. They'll kind of sniff that inauthenticity. You're almost continuing to propagate the lie this nonsense that leaders have to be from a particular class and from a particular background. And I think the world's a lot more equitable and fair now than it has been previously. But nonetheless, if you've got something that you would like to achieve, whether it's forming a charity, whether it's moving to the next level in your organisation, you will do it much more effectively being comfortable with yourself 
than you would if you were trying to be what you think the role requires. I guess it comes back to this idea of like really breaking down this stereotype of what a leader is and what a manager is. And like you said, people really respond to authenticity, which is a superpower. And and I guess like confidence comes into that as well. Confidence for yourself. Again, the whole idea of confidence is people then imagine this hyper-confident public speaker dominating the room. That's the wrong sort of confidence. Actually, it's just confidence to be yourself. People will want to be with you. They'll want to help you. They'll be interested. They'll know that you've got their back. So just being you and making them feel safe. We'll finish with a segment called Answer the Internet. This is where we scour the internet for the questions that the public needs answers to. This question is from Octopop on Reddit. And they want to know, is it wrong to admire a person for being a great leader, but hate them for being a horrible human being? So my definition of leadership is underpinned by the idea that you're trying to do something good that needs doing. Again, in the leadership book, I talk about this and I call it false leadership, where it comes down to dominance and manipulation. And um, you'll find a lot of probably the leaders that fit the definition that that question's aiming at, you'll find they're probably ones who are much more likely to be political, as in a bit cunning, dominant, as in crushing opposition ruthlessly, or manipulative, as in tricking people into going along with something that they haven't thought through or or don't understand. I don't consider that leadership. I think it's dominance or trickery. I think that where you get really good leadership it will be purposeful, it will be decent, it will be honest, it will be inclusive. So following that logic, if they're a horrible human being, I bet they're not a great leader. They might have made stuff happen, but I bet they haven't done it by really connecting with people, by looking after people's best interests, by achieving something good that needed to be doing. I I bet it's not that. You know, I I can look around at the political situation at the moment and there's a lot of that trickery and manipulation at play it seems to have become normalized this is the business leader podcast so i guess summarizing everything that we've spoken about today what in your opinion in a few words makes a great business leader they know where they're going be be really clear what you're trying to achieve what 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 is the what is your business what's the purpose of your business and when you've got it right make sure that everybody else knows it i talk about clear and compelling purpose it should be clear everyone should understand it and compelling something that's you 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 want to be involved with something that will excite people um and then know and care and engage with your people grow grow a a family around your business that's a, a good answer where can our audience uh, like find you and follow your ideas online? There's a whole series of videos that I've put on Leader Connect, which people can view. There's also some stuff on YouTube. My book's called The Leadership Book, and it expands on all the ideas that I've been talking about. Waterstones, Smiths, Amazon. If you search Neil Jurd, I'll crop up. <laughs>